Namaste, Cozy Zone friends. Ben Weber here, and boy, am I a kaleidoscope of emotions. I'm sitting here back in my room. Nicolette is back from yoga school. Uh, She is uh, relatively unchanged. She is really good at teaching yoga, um, but she still has a sense of humor. She still loves me for who I am. Uh, She you know, respects all creatures. She has a lot of compassion for other people. I don't feel guilty about, you know, what I put into my body or, you know, how I choose to move my body or how to breathe. She's brimming with joy and excitement, and it's really delightful. Uh, And I would have to say all of my zones are much cozier because she's back. So welcome back, Nicolette. I love you. It's really nice that you're here. Uh, you're not here right now, which is also okay. I'm having some alone time here in our bedroom. It's it's hot. The fans are off because I'm recording this intro. Guys, uh, I need you to come to my Elastic City Way propaganda. It's happening this Sunday, July 12th at 11 a.m. You can find it at 209 West 42nd Street. Go to elastic-city.org. Sign up. You can also come Sunday, July 19th at 11 a.m. It's about prop comedy. It will flow literally from the root of my deepest chakra through my heart. Um, All of those are chakras. I I don't know the chakras, but um, believe you me, the chakras will be there. Um, We're going to frolic around Times Square. There's going to be crafting. There's going to be a lot of love. You should come. I need you there. Also, RSVP if you haven't. If you're coming, uh, we need to know so that we don't uh, beat you away with foam bats um, because security is tight and we have stocked up on dozens of foam bats and volunteers wielding them, um, and you will be beaten back um, playfully um, but insistently if you don't RCP. So really make sure you do that. Um, Elastic City is a wonderful organization, and they're also having a benefit on July 30th. Um, you can go to elastic-city.org to sign up for that benefit. It's $40, a steal, open bar, unbelievable performers, Ramsey on, Karen Finley, uh, a, a boyhood idol of mine, um, and me. I'm going to be emceeing uh, the evening. And so if you like to get cozy remotely and want to get cozy in real life, come on by to the Elastic City Benefit. Um, it's going to be great. It's at the Wild Project. It's a wonderful theater in the East Village. Yeah, definitely come to that. Um, you won't regret it. Okay, so... This episode, episode 19, is my dear, dear friend, Max the Boy. Um, Max is like a brother to me, but more, you know, I'm I'm thinking of the difference between similes and, and metaphors. So the simile certainly would be Max is like a brother to me, but the metaphor, which 
is more truthful is Max is a brother to me. I met Max when I graduated college from NYU and I moved into a hipster mansion in Williamsburg and uh, he was dating a woman at the time uh, who lived upstairs. I lived in this little closet and I fashioned this loft bed in this closet, very rickety. I, I was going through a phase. Certainly I'm still going through that phase, but it is manifesting itself differently. And this is a phase in which I need to um, you know, bring forth creative things. I need to make things. I need to, to, to mine things from the very earth. Uh, and br- and construct them with my hands and use my labor and and galvanize it with my pain and suffering and only through that will I be redeemed and will I be considered righteous in my own eyes the eyes of others hard to say going to therapy working it out we're gonna we're gonna stay on top of this developing story of who thinks I'm righteous who am I who am I doing this for. Um, I think, you know, I would be most served if I really serve my own uh, nourishment. But, you know, it, it's a process. It's a process to, to strive for that, working on it. So Max, uh, Max is, a, is a political firecracker. He's a communist. He is uh, a, a sex god. Uh, he's a, an extremely sexy man. He's sexual. He sort of oozes this this charm and this sex positivity that is frankly infectious. Um, I find myself in awe of hearing about his stories, about his lovers, about past, present, and future encounters, adventures. Um, he is an engineer. He's a man of the theater. Uh, he is a burner, uh, one who goes to Burning Man. Uh, he is a, a, I don't know, a, a dandy, someone from the Bay Area, a gorgeous dancer. I love Max so much, and I have been so grateful to spend my New York life with him. Max is now in the Bay Area getting ready to move out of this country and move to Australia with his partner, Sasha. And I just said goodbye to him last week, uh, really for the last time in a long time. So that is that is so painful and feels so sad, and I am mourning that loss deeply. And I, I want to dedicate this cozy zone very much to him. Um, Max invited me to his bathroom and stripped down and got into the bath. Um, and we had a lovely conversation. Uh, I also stripped down. Uh, we were both nude. Uh, I wonder if that reads in the recording. That, that, will be, uh, that will be interesting. We'll see if you can pick up on that. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm really grateful for, for this time that I had to speak with him on the record. It, it's not enough. Uh, also, at the end, I experience a, a very sad technical difficulty in which... Um, oh, I think the cats are scratching at the door. Uh, they want to be fed. I'll, I'll, I'll get to them. I'll get to them soon. Um, there's a technical difficulty where the last 20 minutes of our conversation uh, is rendered inaudible by forces uh, that I, I, I don't even know what they were. Uh, godlike forces. Similar to the forces that I experienced when I 
arrived home uh, today. I'm sorry, cats. I, I'm doing this intro. I'm going to get to you really soon. Um, I, uh, I arrived home, and our kitchen was filled with black flies. There were, there were a dozen black flies swarming around our kitchen. And I spent a good 45 minutes um, with a rolled-up piece of junk mail systematically murdering these flies. And I felt crazy. I, I mean, I kind of felt like I was in Game of Thrones, that I, you know, we were doing this very intricate sword play, and all of these, these assassins were swarming around me, and they wanted to take my life, and I was killing them, but they really couldn't hurt me, and so I was this brutal slaughterer, really. Uh, and then I thought about my relationship with the movie The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, um, which is a very important story. Uh, I saw, I began to watch it uh, actually on the couch where I recorded The Cozy Zone with my father. Uh, I saw like the scene where he turns a monkey inside out. Something goes wrong with the, the teleporter pods and the monkey's inside out. It's this bloody mass. I saw it. I was eating this tuna sandwich. I, I instantly had to run upstairs and vomit and I was traumatized for years once I saw this thing and I, I kept looking at our TV guide to see when the fly would be on so maybe I could sneak a peek and face my fear. Needless to say, it felt like doing battle with these flies was facing that fear. The, these flies were that was that fear made manifest and I was I was facing it like a knight in uh, like a button down shirt and work jeans. Friends, please Snuggle up, get into the bath if you want, draw a bath, um, listen to episode 19, sweet, sweet Max in the bath. I love you, Max. I can't wait to see you again. Cheers. Cheers. Max, I'm I'm thinking I'm probably gonna hold your mic. Okay. Oh man, that is so that is that is a commitment. Prop it maybe on the toilet seat. No. Okay. I told myself I wasn't gonna do this. <laughs> um but here we go. Oh, Max, ben. the boy. Ben, Ben, this is this is a lovely excuse to take a bath and hang out. I, know, uh, I I feel very comfortable in baths, but so many times I'm alone, and that's like one of the things that you know I'd like to be talking to somebody. I'd like to be engaged. I hear you. I I love taking baths. Also, uh, Nicolette and I have gotten in the habit of taking some baths, mm-hmm. and it is my favorite thing. Mm. Mm. Ever, mm. it's relaxing. It's sexy. It's cleansing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baths are really magical. I, it's interesting. A lot of people who I've talked to about where their cozy zone should be uh, have said, "Oh, in in the bath." I've gotten several, and it makes me think that it might be worth investing in some sort of bath tub sound studio. There you go. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of issues um, with long-form recording in baths, right? <laughs> the, the temperature of the bath water, the danger of electronics totally. and water. Um, 
yeah, right now I'm precariously. The space is limited and also kind of echoey. Yeah, but the echo is really nice. Mm-hmm. I think the sound quality, the echo is really fantastic. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip my head for a second. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there are nine candles, nine tea lights lit. Um, really beautiful. It's a really nice light. It's the only light in the room. Max is naked. I'm naked. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in his bathtub, in his bathroom, in his Harlem apartment. Um, I like we, the steam rising off uh, the water and the candlelight. It's a very nice. Absolutely. Nice there's place. there's steam rising off of you, too. I'm looking at where your shoulder is. You have some tattoos. And there's some candlelight accentuating the steam rising off of your shoulder. Right on. Um, we're drinking some delicious watermelon tequila drinks made by your mm-hmm. partner, Sasha. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's man, it's been a long day, man. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. And, I, you know, I was I was worried. I almost tried to, as we were on the subway coming up here, limit our conversation to, you know, not use up the cozy oh, quota. Yeah. You know, I I think there are there are a few people in my life who there could never be enough. There's never enough to say, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think we've seen things that we'll never be able to share to the public ever. You've seen things that you would never be able to share to the public. And but even the like beginning of rehashing the socially acceptable things, or at least reasonably socially acceptable things that we've shared together, uh, you know, is is near nearly infinite. Certainly not infinite, but long, mm-hmm. epic, long, long and epic. <clears throat> um, I, I yeah, I mean, I guess it might be good to start with Burning Man. Mm. Okay. Just because I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of nudity. There's comfort with nudity. Um, we were just at Figment all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were saying that this Figment is a particularly Burning Man-esque one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This Figment was really good. Um, you know. Okay, I'd actually I'd actually like to go a step back. If oh, that's okay. Yeah, I'm man. Sorry to rework. No, no. I'm I'm just uh but to here talk for talk a little bit about baths. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um absolutely. Baths have had a, you know, really big significance uh it's being submerged in warm water and I remember particularly a bathtub at my dad's houseboat that was a soaking tub. It was a build on the advertisement for the place is a Japanese soaking tub. It was basically like the shape of a hot tub, but for like one person or two very snug people. And, uh, and you filled it up with, you know, with, with water, like a regular bath. And so it was in this tiny houseboat there. Everything was small. The kitchen was miniature. The bedrooms were, were tiny and the deck and everything was, was scaled down and put on, you know, floats. But the bathroom was great because it had this full, you know, Japanese soaking tub. And that was like being able to immerse my whole body up to my neck without any effort was like magical. And I was really little. So, you know, we could fit, me and my dad could fit together because I was like, 
I don't know, like under 10. And I lived there for like 10 years. So like into my like early high school years from, from early age. And, uh, and so those were very good, relaxing, cozy moments, especially like Sunday mornings, hanging out and reading the newspaper in the bathtub. And, uh, and also holding my breath. That was where I started practicing holding my breath every time and seeing how long I could hold it and hold it longer and longer. And uh, those two things are like the kind of like ritual calmness and also like this like tr training and like strengthening were like really, I don't know, made a big impression. What was the record? Um, I think the, when the younger Max record was a minute. Okay. And that was that was a big deal. Okay. That was a really big deal. It took a long time to get there and I didn't do it every time. And maybe I'd push, you know, like thirty five seconds or yeah. something like that. I don't yeah. remember the exact number. The exact record. I should have written it down. But when, when you're it... young you think you're gonna you think you're gonna remember I thought I was gonna yeah. remember everything perfectly. I didn't need to write it down. But a minute isn't that long. No, it's not. I mean, you know, but the whole one's well let's see. hold on, let's see. I mean I haven't been practicing. Should let let's let's Should we try both of us? Yeah. You want, yeah. you want to come on in? I or, mean, no. Oh, okay. I, I think I'll just do it regular. Gotcha. From, okay. from the land. All right. All One right. if by land. Two, All right. Two. All right. All right. I'm done. I'm done, buddy. Max is still going. I uh, I'm almost tempted to sabotage him. <clears throat> How was that for you? Oh, it's really nice. Definitely longer than a minute. Well, we won't I, know. I count a minute thirty in my head, but we'll see. On yeah, the tape. we'll see on the tape. Uh, yeah, we have no way to know exactly. <clears throat> um. But okay, but two two Burning Man. Okay. From from that that bath detour. Yeah. Any other bath uh, bath well, lore in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think my family was like a bathing family, which I thought was very normal. Yeah. You know, my mother was really into baths, and she took them frequently. And um, and it wasn't seen as you know a way to get clean; it was just a way to relax. Yes. Um, but it was like, you know, I think like at least, at least once a week, if not, you know, a couple of times a week and, and probably different at different points in my life. 
But then to grow up and to meet other people that like thought baths were disgusting or like didn't do that, it was just like a revelation. It was like, whoa, like my one of those one of those things that you learn of many things that your family does that not everybody in the world does. But um, baths are like so key and uh, and a way to release and give yourself time and kind of kind of give yourself some quiet time. Yeah, we do a lot of uh, salts and essential oils. Oh yeah, it's very nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a bath is feels like one of the most luxurious things you can do. Yeah, certainly cozy. Certainly cozy. Um. Yeah, and 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 you know the other thing are hot springs. Hot springs and bathtubs, though they really have to be right because I find. Most of the time, they're not hot enough. I like it like almost unbearable. Like wow. right now, I have my legs out of the tub because it's so hot that I, <laughs> I was for a while. I was wondering and put them, take them back out because it's like I like it like that hot, which a hot tub almost never is for like health and safety reasons. I guess sure, sure. And hot springs, you know, you got to find the right one that hasn't been, you know, uh, a lot of them are mixed with you know cold water, creek water, things right. like that to make right. it more accessible for right. people. But I, I like to have the, you know, obviously I can't have the boiling source water but i want a little bit a bit more pep um my father wouldn't let me go in a hot tub before puberty because he was very concerned about my testicles cooking and then affecting my fertility interesting yeah yeah but after puberty he felt that you you would be your testicles would be developed enough well i guess so yeah i don't know i i'm not exactly sure that's a that's all right I'm sorry. It's okay. We got we got, got the we got a windscreen. Yeah, um, and so I think an interesting segue might be one of my. So the first time I went to Burning Man, it was with you mm-hmm. uh, and your father and your ex Kara, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite things there was the steam bath on the playa. Mm-hmm. Did you do the steam bath? I'm not sure. I might have done it with Kara. Yeah, I think no, I don't think we did that. Together. Yeah, and that that was the most incredible thing mm-hmm. I've ever. And it sort of then and there instilled my love for steam baths in general. Yeah. Uh, that I think they're the most amazing sort of spa spa thing. Oh yeah, and obviously, I mean, when you're totally deprived of them. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and then you come into this world, you know. You're in a world with no, with very little water. Water is a luxury. Yeah. You know, you count every, you know, liter that you're drinking or using to wash things. And then to have, you know, something that is just water for pleasure. Yeah. It's just, it's just amazing. They also have hot springs, you know, on the Black Rock Desert, which um, used to be open during the event when it was really small. But now that there are, you know, tens of thousands of people, if they let everybody go there during the event, it would just like overrun it and, yeah. and destroy it. Ecologically. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But you can go there in the off season and, and those are, those are really nice. They're, they're off the, off the edge of the desert. There. What was your first burn like? Man. Okay. So my first burn, um, let's see. I was, I was 12 years old and my dad had gone before and we'd been going to burning man parties in the city so i kind of knew you know the idea that you know of like san francisco yeah i got the vibe i i got the um 
you know, exposure to the people in the Bay Area who are doing, like, freaky art and freaky art parties and things. And, like, um, you know, I, I was used to the idea of, of you know, this, like, kind of uh, Dadaist, like, let's escape, you know, this, this reality and this, you know, um, normal societal conventions and make our own society based on spontaneity and freedom and creativity and sex and drugs and and just like pushing the limits of perception and and um and really hedonism um but in a very you know developed hedonism you know people weren't messing around you know went to the extremes meaning it was uh extremely calculated uh, full throttle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No holds barred hedonism. It wasn't a lazy hedonism. No, no, it's not just like let's like you know <clears throat> just wake up really late and stay on the couch all day. It was like no, like let's like build the most incredible chill day glow, you know, chill structure area, um, and fill it with the you know best couches and have the best music and and that kind of thing. Or at least yeah. So, so I went out there with my dad. And we didn't have any camp that year, and it was just like it was it was a small enough scale that you could let a, a kid just kind of wander around you know within limits and say, "Okay, you know, go do your own thing for like a couple hours, and I'll meet you back at camp and so that's what I did. I just went around and saw the art exhibits and interacted with people, and everybody was trying to be as you know bring something to the event and everybody you know everybody you met wanted to like give you something or share some experience with you. Um, and that was really cool and felt really, you know, natural and organic and, and, uh, everybody just wanted to contribute as much as they could to the experience. And the art was a lot, was really sparse and had a really thrown together type vibe to it. It felt very Mad Max and there was a Thunderdome there. Um, and I fought my dad in the Thunderdome and that was an exhilarating feeling and when I stepped in there. You know, they asked for our names, and I said, my name is Max, and they said, we have a Max! And, like, all these, like, freaks <laughs> clinging to the top of this geodesic <laughs> dome were, like, cheering for me. And I was given a, a, a Nerf bat and put in a, you know, bungee harness along with my dad, and we, we went at, at it and, and, and thwacked each other as hard as possible for the next, like, ten minutes. It was great. Um, and so it had, like, a very anarchistic, very... Um, kind of Dadaist, very, um, you know, Ken Kesey type feel to it. It was like the blending of like the hippies and the yippies and, you know, the kind of um, cacophony society, you know, kind of experimental art and... Uh, and then also like the, the, the dot com generation as well, like mixed with like tech, mixed with electronica, mixed with techno music, mixed with, um, you know, uh, very geeky high level controls. I mean, like electronic control yeah. systems controls mm -hmm. type stuff as well. And very steampunk kind of. And, and that's own steampunk, like the Mad Max kind of. Totally. And did you see an evolution? Like you've been going since you were 12 years old. You're how old now? I'm about to turn 29. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's been a major 
evolution and mostly it's just the size and the ratio of uh, creators and artists and participants to non-participants. And I think that most of the switch can be attributed to that. Um, and it hasn't all been bad, but just, you know, and it's, and it hasn't all been just like, oh, these new people coming in who don't understand the vibe either. There's a lot of things that institutionally have changed that have really changed it. And it also became really tightly controlled. And the ticket situation, uh, I think is one of the ugliest situations, um, related to it. You know, just the fact that they charge so much and then they search your car coming in. Mm. which is like such a violation of privacy. You're supposed to be entering into this like community and like, what the fuck would it really matter if like, you know, a few hundred people snuck in? Oh, again? right, right. They don't you search know. your car for drugs, but... No, they search your car for people. That That's right. Sm- because they want to make sure they get every fucking dollar that they can right. out of this event, which has basically become them hosting a venue for other people to put their art for free right so it's just like the the gall of like and then they have a they have a fence and they have what they call a border patrol where they have ranger black rock city rangers with night vision goggles patrolling the trash fence for any people who are gonna like sneak out to like you know 150 miles beyond reno into the middle of the desert to sneak to this event. Look, if somebody wants to do that, fucking let them. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? But, like, the fact that they've created this border patrol also means that they've created border patrollers and their own type of, you know, cops within Burning Man whose job is to, like, not to make people have a good time but to fuck people over. And that's, like... So you have this whole layer of rangers who, like, get off on their power trip of searching your car and busting the illegals... You know, and that's a part of the Burning Man community now, too. Jesus. You know, which never existed before. So that kind of shit is, like, what really... That really sucks. And... But what doesn't suck is that the art has gotten bigger and more phenomenal every year I go. And every year I see one of the most... The most amazing thing that I've seen in my life. (laughs) Without fail. And I know that. As soon as I make a commitment to go to Burning Man, I'm going to see one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, period. And I've been 10 times. So that's awesome. And um, what have you seen? Oh, things that really stand out are the oil derrick. Uh, that was like fucking hundreds of feet of flame shooting into the air. First of all, okay, during the festival, it was this really beautiful platform shaped like an oil derrick. Um, large wooden tower I think it was 90 feet tall and you could climb to the top and get this phenomenal view of the festival and all the different art pieces and things like that so that in and of itself was just a phenomenon and really beautiful but then they decided to destroy it in the most amazing way where they had this like giant flamethrower shooting you know jet fuel up into this um, 90 foot wooden you know platform tower sculpture and igniting it on fire um, and the flames just went, I don't even know how high, just hundreds of feet into the air. I think you showed us a video of this thing. It was like super crazy. It was like a mushroom cloud. Super crazy. And like the craziest thing was, was lining up. Cause, so we knew when the burn was going to happen, me and my dad. So we decided to go out there to see this thing burn. And, um, and we see this thing like way off in the distance, maybe like, maybe like a thousand feet away from us. 
and we run into like a fire safety marshal who's like, okay, stop right there. We're like, what's what's the problem? Or is there something wrong? What's going on? And they were like, oh no, this is the safety perimeter. You can't go any you can't go any closer. That we we're like, what are you kidding me? Like this is ridiculous. Like this thing is like tiny in the distance. This is the safety perimeter. Like what the fuck? And then we got an idea of like, oh shit, they're like, this is gonna be. Some <laughs> massive fire. <laughs> and even from that great distance, you could feel the heat. It was like uncomfortably hot. It was like you were standing in front of a bonfire that you were too close to. <laughs> and that's like how hot it was being like over a thousand feet back and just towering, towering into the air. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And then the, fir- the first burn was another really unique experience that I'll never forget, where at that point, Burning Man... Okay, this is, this is to give you an idea. This really this gives you a flavor. When Burning Man was that size, the first year I went, which I think was 99... Wait, it wasn't 98. It must have been 98. Okay, 98. Um, it was small enough that when it became... Okay, so for those... Actually, this is weird. I used to have to explain Burning Man to every single person I met. Whenever I wanted to talk to them or tell them a story about it, I had to set up the whole fucking thing for everybody. But now everybody knows. But, okay, the geography is important. It's, there's a man in the center, a wooden man, a wooden sculpture of a man. And then there's open space. And then, um, like, a half a mile from the man, the first ring of streets of the festival starts. And then the festival... Um, you know, goes back in an open and concentric circle. So it's these concentric circles surrounding a giant wooden sculpture in the center, um, but the circles don't come all the way up to the man. They stop about a half a mile out from the man. There's empty space in the middle. Okay, so at that point, the size of the festival was small enough that when it came time to burn the man at the end of the festival, there was like a procession, and everybody gathered at center camp, and there were the lamplighters, and the lamplighters who had been, you know, putting up street lights around the festival every night would come and lead the procession, and there was like a band, and they would have drums, and everybody was in like one parade going out in a column from center camp to the man, and then everybody would surround the man, and you'd have, you know, some kind of fire dancing and, and whatnot. Um, so me and my dad, you know, the first year I went, we got into this procession and we had brought our, you know, some instruments, we brought some shakers with us. So we just kind of blended in with the band and because we were with the band, we made our way past the, the fire safety line and into like the inner circle where the, uh, where the man was burning. And we were like playing along with like the, the band with the fire dancers and stuff. And then the man, okay, so it comes time to light the man. And at that point, the way they lit the man was... They had a guy in like a fire retardant suit who would be lit on fire, an actual human being <laughs> who would be lit on fire and consumed in flames. And he would climb the steps of the man and brush his arm against the man to light the man on fire. And then he would come down the stairs and, and people were waiting to, to pat him out because he could, you know, he could only do it for a short time. Um, and so that's how it started. That was fucking mind blowing. You know, first of all, 12 year old kid seeing that amazing. And then any year old person seeing that. Okay. And then the man starts to burn. But the first year I went, something went wrong where the fireworks are supposed to go off in kind of stages. But that year something was wrong with the wiring and all of the fireworks exploded at the same time. (laughs) And so the man is enveloped in this hot white flash an explosion of flames and like, you know, white phosphorus, you know, heat. And, um, and, and it just all bursts into, into flames at once. And it was just like this thrill and adrenaline rush went through me. And I just started screaming, yeah, 
<laughs> just like my arms at my side, my like mouth fully open, my head thrown back, just like. <laughs> it was oh my god, it was amazing burst of energy and catharsis, and that was that was the first burn, and probably still the best burn, or one of the yeah, definitely one of the best. Can you tell us a little bit about Cyber Satan? Cyber Satan, oh man, yeah. So he was an important figure. He was one of the people who was part of the crew that me and my dad would party with and hang out with. And he was like, you know, kind of off and a little out there even for that crowd and, and constantly doing dangerous shit and doing all sorts of dangerous drugs. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't even remember some of the details of being around him when I was younger, but I just remember Cyber Satan was into some sketchy shit. Oh, yeah, one thing he would do, like, you'd be around a bonfire... He would make like uh, like he would take duct tape and he'd take some black powder and he'd put the black powder on a piece of duct tape and then he'd put another piece of duct tape over it to seal it in. So now you have a little pouch of black powder, and he'd just go and he'd just toss that into the bonfire without telling anybody, and then the thing would fucking explode <laughs> and make this huge bang and freak everybody out. And that was his idea of like a good time. You know, that's how <laughs> he got his kick. So he's that kind of dude. Um, and that also gives you a flavor of, like, the early Burning Man, where that was, like, kind of socially acceptable behavior. <laughs> where you could do that and people wouldn't, like, like freak out at you and, like, kick you out of their camp or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, that was fun. Great, great thing, Cyber Satan. Black powder's gunpowder? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So this guy, you know, been around Burning Man for a long time and um, kind of saw how things were going and didn't like it and didn't like the, you know, organizational... The, the separation of the Burning Man organization from the participants and certain people making a lot of money off of it and other people still just having to buy their ticket and, and produce the artwork that was really what made it so amazing um, and just a lot of shady dealings within the Burning Man organization and also just the change of the flavor and it becoming like a nationwide thing and yada, yada, yada. So one year, oh fuck, what was the year? I think it was 2007. It was, because the year I, I went was 2008. Right. So 2007, Cyber Satan decides to burn the man early, which I think was fucking great, because here's the man, you know. Now this is like, I think it, the first burn was in 86, so this is like more than 20 years on, you know, and the man has become this thing and there's this whole ritual about it and there's no longer a procession anymore. You can't process to the man because there are so many hundred, tens of thousands of people yeah. that everybody just throngs from every direction and it's like, it has the feeling of like a, a, an arena rock show, <laughs> you know, rather than like a primal, you know, pagan ritual. I mean, it still, ha it still has that element. It still has that heart. It still has that core. I think that's very apt, the... the arena rock show but it is very much an arena rock show it's very highly produced they have you know like a camera crew that gets prime position with their scissor lift you know elevating them above the crowd so they can get the best shot you know and all this other kind of bullshit associated with it and you know great fireworks and dance performance oh, well, all that stuff is well all well and good but you know it's definitely lost that whatever and became very very built up and so cyber satan's big like fuck you to that Burning Man that it had become was to burn it early and just remind people that this is, you know, to smash people's idols a little bit and just give them a little tweak. Like, hey, you know, don't forget 
you know, this is not what it's all about. It's not all about burning a man, you know, like that's actually not what this thing is for. And, um, and, a, and a little fuck you. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a great statement and a great piece of art and very in keeping with the spirit of the festival and its origins and, and, uh, and iconoclastic and great. But, so he burned the man early. They, um, and I wasn't there. That was, I was so pissed off. That was like one of the years where I didn't go for the full week. Mm. I went late. So I got there and the man had already been burned early. But as soon as I heard about it, I was like, fuck yeah, go Cyber Satan. And Cyber Satan was immediately arrested and sent to jail. And Burning Man, you know, like, I don't remember if they, they ended up actually pressing charges in the end, but there was like a, a discussion about it and they were going to press charges against him. I don't. I don't remember if they actually ended up going through with that, but that was the sentiment in the beginning was like, throw this fucker in jail. And he ended up spending time in jail for arson and, you know, endangering lives and stuff. I mean, he did it from reports of other sources he did in a very safe way, but in a way that people would not be threatened. But anyway, so that happened, and there was this whole rift in the community about, like, the people who worked on the man and people who were really involved in the organization and some rangers and a good deal of participants really thought that this was like a betrayal and he'd done something fucked up and he'd crossed a line and fucked with somebody else's art and somebody else's events and like blah, 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 blah. And I was just so shocked to find this reaction within this community of people. I thought that this was going to be, you know, that everybody was going to say, oh man, like good, you got us. Like good one. Like good one. Fuck yeah. Okay. Like let's move on. Um, and that was not the reaction. And so that was another realization of how things had changed and some people had really become attached to this fucking idol that they had created and um and you led us on a protest max i remember in 2008 you know we we had some signs i think you were dressed in your bunny outfit and we <laughs> took to the ply with some signs and like you know we asked the hard questions like well if you know larry harvey supposedly the the founder and and director or executive director of burning man you know, we implicated him as being in on it or like, uh, like the man, like was, it was an inside job or something like that. Yeah, what were the it, slogans? It was a take on, uh, you know, on the nine 11 truth movement, which you are, uh, which I, at the time I was a very active participant and I was going to the world trade center every week and holding a sign, um, you know, saying nine 11 was an inside job. And, and I was really active in that for a while. Um, and so this was like kind of the height of that when I was doing that stuff. But I, you know, so it was like poking fun at both that and also and po and poking fun at Burning Man itself. And and so the sign said, you know, like Burning Man 07 was an inside job. Uh -huh. And you know, one of the slogans of the world, you know, the the 911 truth movement is like uh, you know, what happened to World Trade Center 7 because it's this building that right. that collapsed particularly quickly and in right. you know, a way that's, you know, suspicious manner, supposed to imply explosives were used. So one of the signs said, you know, uh, what happened to Shade Structure 7? <laughs> you know, and that, yeah, and, and, and Larry Harvey knew. Yeah. Larry Harvey knew. Larry Harvey knew. Why was there a second man? Why was there? Yeah, 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 yeah. They had a, they had a backup man just uh -huh. ready to go. So, uh -huh. yeah, so we, yeah, so we had a whole riff, you know, people would come up and ask us questions and we were very earnest about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but people really, people liked it. I Like, I was surprised. Like, you know, uh, Kara and I had no context of, like, what Burning Man was. We were just the pawns <laughs> in, this, in this joking protest. But, like, people were very, uh, people were very welcoming they like were into it i think anyone who came up to us yeah oh yeah oh yeah people were doing it pe people got the references and stuff and and that was the rangers who were guarding the man 
who when we so we we did this whole protest thing and then we got in line to go up to the feet of the man and 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 see you know pay our respects to the man or whatever see that the the sculpture every year the pedestal is it used to be okay it used to be the the man was just situated on the top of a pyramid of hay bales which would also burn when the man burned but now they have like a whole like art installation that is the pedestal of the man and um and so we went up to to see, you know, to observe this and see what kind of cool structure they had built. And so while we were in line, the rangers were, like, giving me a lot of shit and saying, like, that's, you know, this is fucked up and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, what do you really think? They, they were, like, really offended and really defensive. Oh, man. And I was just like, fuck you guys. I don't give a shit about you. I, I don't even need you. You think, like, who fucking needs you to be here to man this line? You man the they, man line? Yeah, you think you need a fucking Black Rock Ranger to, like, monitor the line to go up the sculpture to, like, that the man is resting on? Like, who the fuck do you think you are? And, like, I don't know. It was very upsetting to me to realize that, that there were these fucking pigs. The Burning Man had created its own pigs, you yeah. know, and that they were, like, behaving in this way and had this, you know, this reaction. Ugh. Ugh, man. Teabagging, Max. Teabagging, another a, a, another great Ben Weber Burning Man. This is first. my this is my favorite that I story. was not there for, but is still one of my favorite. Oh ben God, Weber I was Burning hoping Man you story. would help me tell it. Like I, it's a little vague, but basically. Okay, all right. Well, let me tell from my perspective. Yeah. Okay, so I think that was uh, hello. Can I pee? We have a request. Well, this is an unedited interview. It is format. You okay. Can, yeah, all right. All right. Uh, uh, we'll just we'll, have to uh, yeah. clear a uh, clear a path. Uh, uh, but, all right. One moment. All right, one moment. Holding. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah, this is good. We can get rid of this. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's a catch on the catch on there. This side. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta put it down first. Oh shit. This will be great listening. <laughs> All right, now push the red tab. Oh, the red tab. Now pull it up. Put, push it forward. Push it. There you go. And then there you go. There it is. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Coming right up. We just got to uh, just put on some drawers. Peace spot happening. Getting it. Getting it together. Yep. I think you shut my eyes. Uh, uh, it's okay. dangerous. <laughs> You're gonna need your eyes. Up. <laughs> oh, sorry. Here. Just one moment. Happy birthday, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. That's right. Uh, I just want to make it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping. All right. The birthday girl is peeing. I am outside in the hall with both mics. I think it yeah I think I'm I think I'm where I need to be. Okay. All right. 
Alright, the stores, good. I'm glad. Ah. Ah. Alright. Alright. Alright, from your perspective. Okay. From your perspective. Excuse for some more hot water. Great. Um, okay, so from my perspective, you know, okay, so Karen and Ben came with me to Burning Man. I think it was my eighth year. My eighth or ninth. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, well, let me get. Okay, so, so it was my eighth or ninth burn. And this was in 2008. This was in 2008. And uh, this was the beginning of. Um, my trip around Asia with Kara. And so Ben was coming on the first leg, and our first leg was a trip to Burning Man, which is fucking great. Great way to start a trip around the world. Um, and so I was coming there as like the jaded burner, and I'd seen where Burning Man had been and where it had gone, and, and you know, a lot of other stuff that we can't even get into this interview because it would fill like a couple hours of me griping about all the things that have happened. Um, so, you know, I was just like this jaded older burner who, you know, was not as impressed with everything and didn't, didn't have the childlike wonder in that moment that I, you know, maybe should have or could have or whatever. And, uh, and I was trying to instruct, you know, Ben and, and Kara as to how to, you know, go about having the best time, what the proper way was to watch a procession of art cars go down the street and how to properly wander aimlessly from art installation to art installation, you know, and get the best enjoyment out of it and, and all this kind of philosophy and crap. And, um, and I realized, and they realized that this was, you know, I, I needed, they needed to have their own experience for a while. <laughs> they needed to ditch the, the, the jaded old, old burner and, and go have some fun on their own. So, uh, you know, I, I realized that this was necessary and I said, you know, all right, go with God, you know, you got to gotta wander the desert for a while see what happens and come back tell me tell me how it was and so they went off for like uh, two three hours and yeah yeah i think about probably three hours had a great experience yeah and ben came back and joyfully told me about having a stranger's balls on his forehead yeah and so <laughs> there was i'm trying to remember there was two gentlemen and we like rolled up to them and like I I think it, the the transaction was as simple as like who knows what you know if they like boys or girls it did, like it doesn't really matter. No. Um uh but they were like, "Hey, do you want a tea bag?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." And I think I'm I'm wondering if I at that point was like wearing my um cheesehead cheesehead yeah. and like pantyhose's pants. I yeah. think that was uh, that was like my preferred outfit. <laughs> Which was at Ritz is really good. Like, you know, like <laughs> pantyhose breathe really well. Like, you can sort of be naked, but not be naked. Uh, like, it's actually probably. That's a great idea. It was a brilliant playa attire. I was really proud of that. And it's like sort of, you know, queer and like weird. And it's, it's right, great. A it's gender bendy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, everybody loved the cheesehead. Yes, yes. I, I was very surprised. I was, yeah. Hey, cheesehead! Like a lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of cheesehead fans. And I think my playa name, I think it was a little bit. Yeah. That was. year. A little bit was my playa name. <laughs> and these guys were like, hey, 
want a teabag? And I was like, sure. And I sat in this chair, and uh, this guy just put his balls on my face. And that was it. And we were like, all right, thanks. And it was, and like, I think the the beauty of it was just how simple and, you know, uncomplicated a transaction it was. <laughs> and, like, this is hilarious. Like, you know, if I were him, I would think this is hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. And, you know, what a beautiful way, what a beautiful place to allow that to happen oh, with totally. such freedom. And I would, I, you know, when you came back and related to me, I was so proud and happy that that had happened to you and so, you know... Um, grateful to Burning Man to be such an experience where, you know, my friends could go off and then have this great experience and see some sort of, you know, luxury hotel area in the desert and, you know, see some interesting art and some sculpture and have some, you know, new sexual experience as well. Yeah, that was great. Come back and tell me about it. It's just like, what a great grab bag. It was really not very sexual for me. I wonder, I don't know if it was sexual for this gentleman. But I would still, I mean... It is, a, I mean, it I involves... Category, categorize it as a... I guess so. It's like, it involves, experience. like, I'm not exactly sure if this is a hardware store, but, like, <laughs> it has a hammer, like, and nails, uh-huh. and pipes. You know, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But it, it doesn't seem like a hard, it doesn't look like a hardware store. Like it didn't, you know, it's like, I did, it's not called, it's like a convenience store. Anyway, mm-hmm. not the greatest uh, analogy, analogy but on a, a different teabag, a different teabag. I, I mean, it was just like, it felt like, um, like a wet willy or like a spanking, which can be sexual, I guess. Uh-huh. I think no, wet willy is, is pretty close to what it is. Okay. Okay. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It was just sort of like, uh, here's something to like josh you and maybe like the power of it is is the sort of joy mm-hmm. and like i get to do this like annoying thing this sort of demeaning thing to you right that and so therein lies the the pleasure mm-hmm. um yeah my second experience at burning man was not quite as uh, idyllic as the first time <laughs> although it was good like after coming back from Burning Man I was like I have to go again like this was the most incredible thing what, I've ever so seen what made you what was how did, how did you come to that I mean okay I mean the teabagging no well great, I mean like, what, what about it made you think that I think the thing that I like best of all is that literally there is a city of people like looking at you and heckling you <laughs> and you get to do it back and like uh-huh. they do also ultimate like they're they're all your big brother or they're all your sibling and they're all there to just give you shit but ultimately they understand that like this is a harsh climate. They're there to take care of you. They're there to be generous, mm-hmm. like in all of the important ways. But they're definitely going to like cat call you. They're going to like make fun of you. Like they're going to, you know, they're going to rib you constantly. Right. Right. And you should do the same to others And it, because it's fun. And like it's nice. People enjoy being seen. People aren't doing, you know, doing the things they're doing to like – you know, slip by or pass through the crowd. They want the recognition. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was really interesting. And, you know, the art is so unbelievable and out of this world. And there are geniuses who dedicate their life to, like, making the playa an unbelievable art place, mm-hmm. unlike anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, 
mm-hmm. you know, the difference between night and day, uh, mm-hmm. all the food, all the free booze that like it is so generous yeah. um, that you can have so much debauchery or be committed completely to self-care. All of that is uh, all of that was like, I have to do this again. Like, this is so amazing. And, like, right after Burning Man, I quit my job to, like, do comedy videos and dog walking. You know, I, Hell like, yeah. really went for it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Man, I, you know, I should have. I should have. Deli proof. Deli proof. TM. Is that, can we say that on Cozy Zone? Is that TM? A, Trademark? No, no, de, uh, Deli proof. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Yeah. What's TM? Trademark? Trademark. Yeah, yeah. No, Deli proof is fine. All right. Um,. I, most things are fine, I think. I don't know. I I think it's. I think maybe I make up that there are like taboo topics for a sense of control or power. Um, but you know, probably at the end of the day, what you know, the fifty people who are going to listen to this, uh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. All right. All right. Yeah. And then, well, okay. Then your second brain mass was with was with, with yeah right yeah okay and was she into it or? she was into it yeah i think yeah she was into it i i mean there were so many weird and it was also without me it was, was that yeah while i was traveling yeah you yeah, were yeah, yeah, you yeah, were you around the world theater, you were in yeah. asia yeah. yeah um she was into it we had a great camp uh my my friend Emma Kaywin, mm-hmm. uh, who I hope to have on soon mm-hmm. in the in the cozy zone, right um, hosted me and and was a generous, gracious host. Um, I think had different expectations and different different rhythms in her own sort of rituals and her own things that she needed to take care of, and she wasn't as concerned. Like you know, you you love me like a brother, and you know are very very concerned about like how I'm doing and making sure all my needs are met. And you know, she was not because we're friends, and you know, we're we went to college together, and it just was a different dynamic. Right. You know, well, I also like me bringing you to Burning Man is like you, me bringing you home. Right, right. And, like I wanted. Right. Like I felt like. Yeah. I wanted you to have the best time. Absolutely. And 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 I felt really proud of this festival that yeah. I was sharing with you yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. She did not have that kind of Well, she'd been going for a while, but not as long as uh, as you've been going. She's been going for a while, but gotcha. but is yeah. you know, it it was just different. It's a different relationship that mm-hmm. you know, and it's not good or bad. We were out in the boonies, which is tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we were in like we were eight uh, well we were Maybe in around H. Oh wow! You know, okay. So eight o'clock and eight. Well, the clocks don't really matter, but the the letters do matter. H is H is out there. H is out there. That's the the eighth concentric ring. Um, A B C D E F G H. Yeah, that's eight streets back from the the center. Right, and that's a long way to to get anywhere. Um. And we had a lovely dome, and like you know, everyone was nice. But you know, Becca and I were unsuccessfully negotiating like relationship needs. Like, did you sleep with anybody else on the planet? No, no, never. Never, yeah. Never, yeah. Not definitely not my first year. Oh yeah, my big claim to fame, my first year is we went we went to Costco uh, or Walmart, uh-huh. and I bought yeah. like a sixty five pack of condoms. <laughs> uh, 
And I I used two of them <laughs> to jack off. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you want to keep it clean. Yeah, keep it clean. There. Well, and it's dry. You yeah. know what I mean? It's very helpful. Like, you know, I didn't have any lotion or lube. That was so stupid. What am I... I needed... You got to bring lube. Holy shit. A- anyway. But, right. like, especially in the desert. Um... Anyway, okay. anyway, so, so it was she's crazy and 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 horrible. Well, I don't know. Opinion. Well, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry to say that in cozy zone. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it, it's you know, I, not horrible. Okay, okay. Struggling with things as we all are. Yes. Anyway, it, yes. the the. You know, but we just, our communication was poor. You know, we didn't Mm -hmm. talk about what we needed. Like, I, you know, was convinced I could fix her. I could give her what I needed or what she needed. And I really wanted her to be able to give me what I needed. I'm not even sure if I knew what I needed. I had a great experience in a shamanic tent in Shaman Dome, uh, which was run by my professor Barnaby Rue. Um (laughs) And I had a I had a fantastic healing, like sort of after a bad mushroom trip, um, you know, where we were just sort of bickering at like I feel like it was dawn, you know, it was like five in the morning or like six in the morning. We were just like in a bad place, and you know, she had run off and not slept in our tent, and I and like so I was like by myself tripping at Burning Man, which is like not okay, no, not, not okay. You know, I mean, if that happens, there are safe spaces, you know, play in chill zones. Sure, man, but I like, mean, not that you're, you know, you're not, you're I had no idea. That. I had you're no, but where idea. the hell Just, are they? For future reference. All right. You know, I appreciate that. Listening, yeah. If you find yourself in a similar situation at Burning Man, there are uh, yeah. rangers. You know, one of the things that they, they provide is a safe, chill space. The pigs, Max? Yeah, the, the total fucking pigs. I don't even know if they'd turn you in, though, these days. I mean, honestly, ah. Uh, it's really sad that I would, I would, that I would, that I would even have that thought to think twice about going to a ranger if I was having a bad trip. But no, I, I, I that that is a real slam. Of, of all the things I could say of rangers, they they might be fucked up, and some of them might have some real ego trips. But if you're having a bad trip and you go to a Black Rock Ranger and say I'm having a bad trip, I need to be in a chill zone. They will they will take you to a chill zone. I um. You know, all I wanted to do is find our tent, you know. Yeah. And I somehow did. Right. And then you get there and, and, and your partner is not, not, not there. there. Yeah. And she'd run off with somebody else and like, I don't know what they were doing. And, you know, it was just very yeah. painful. It was just a very painful thing. A nice shamanic healing. Long story short, the whole thing <laughs> left a bad taste in my mouth and I haven't been back. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. I feel like I would only want to go back with you. That's feels very special to hear you say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I would really like to go back. Um, you know, it's just, it's uh, fallen down the list of priorities in my life. Totally. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, which makes sense. But uh, I'm just... thing that I worry, you know, I worry about a few things. One is that if, if I go there, I want to bring something to the event. Yep. And that can be something simple, but it needs to be something thoughtful and something I can be proud of and say that I went there and actually did more than just like, you know, I gave away glow sticks to people, you know, like I, I need to have some sort of contribution. Uh, and that takes a lot of time and money and thought and effort. Um, and then the other thing is just like, 
the cop presence is really creepy and weird in a lot of ways, and and so jarring because you don't expect it. Like at a at a large concert, you kind of you know that that's the deal. You know, like like at a at a you know. I don't know, like at a large concert venue. Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo. Or... Okay, I've never been to Bonnaroo, but whatever. Yeah, sure, yeah, I don't something know. like that. All points west. Okay, something like yeah, that. Yeah. You get that, you know, you're in, you're still in society and that there are still security guards and you're not supposed to be, you know, doing certain things and, and all that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to be, you know, doing drugs or whatever. And so you, you know, behave that way and accordingly. But at Burning Man, it's like supposed to be this outside supposed to be this place that's outside of all those conventions and all those rules and then to have you know a cop in the middle of that just like totally fucks everything and it's yeah. just like so jarring and, and and such a discontinuity with what everything else that's going on there that it's really a shame you know one experience that i had i don't remember which burn it was but it was a fairly recent burn and um i was just walking through the desert and this guy and this is what makes me say this thing about black rock rangers i'm not sure is that you know, I was at this art installation. It was the Ego. It was, like, this big, like, garish, um, you know, like, made out of, like, gold and, like, these toys, like, glued together. These giant letters forming the word Ego mm-hmm. made in this very, like, just, like, overdone, um, bedazzled, you know, golden style. It was really, really cool and really nice. And it was lit up. It was at night, and so it was lit up by these floodlights. And so there's this guy, and I think, you know, his partner is some, a woman that he's with, who are there, and he's clearly, you know, tripping on something and having some sort of weird trip and having a bad time, and I kind of stay away from him, because he looks like he's a little sketchy, and I do my thing, and he's doing his thing, and I look over, and, like, he's having some confrontation with a Black Rock Ranger, or the Black Rock Ranger is talking to him in some way, and this guy's being, like, really, like, you know, like, uh, you know, just argumentative with this guy. And then all of a sudden, there's like a sheriff there, a Washoe County sheriff. And so now it's the Washoe County sheriff and the Black Rock Ranger talking to this guy. And then in quick succession, in, in, the, in the period of, of minutes, this whole flood of cop cars comes with um, fucking uh, sirens, not sirens, but with their lights flashing and descend upon this statue and upon this guy. And in a matter of minutes, he is like being forced to the ground, pinned down on the playa, and is literally hogtied, hogtied, and lifted up and carried into an ambulance, which is there, to be taken off to God knows fuck where. And I counted, and there were over 15 cop cars there for this dude having a bad trip. And it was just like, what the fuck? Like, I was just, I was just there. Like, I was, I was, this guy wasn't hurting anybody. Maybe he was being an asshole. You know, uh, the worst thing I could think that he might have, may have possibly done was touch the art, which I did not see. So I don't know if he even did that. You know, and like. You're not allowed to touch the art. Well, certain art pieces, but whatever. I'm just saying, like, you know, the, the things that this guy could have done are very small. And the response that was given to him was just so dramatic and so just like, oh, wait, this is just like all of society. Here are these fucked up cops walking, running around looking for a way to fuck people over and make them have a bad time. And at any moment, this situation that seems really innocuous can just turn into this fucking cop orgy <laughs> at, at Burning Man. You know, and that was just like really disappointing. And then, you know, just the icing on the cake was there was like someone... 
like a bystander who was watching this and I went up to her and I was like, hey, I, I was just here before and I saw this guy. I don't know, was that like, did you see like why they called all these other cop cars here? Like, did you see what happened? And she was like, oh no, I don't know. But you know, he was probably doing something fucked up. Like he probably deserved it. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like he deserved to be hogtied and taken into the back of this, you know, like ambulance. I was like arguing with her and she was like, yeah, well, you know, it's like a black rock ranger and like he knows what's up. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so you just trust whatever the black rock ranger is going to do, even though the black rock ranger just clearly called in the fucking real police to like hogtie this man and take him maybe to jail, you know? So it's just like that kind of sh that's like so so like I'd love to go back to Burning Man, the great experience. All those other things are still true, you know. Great dancing, great party, great fire, blah 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 blah. But then I think about shit like that, and I'm like, man, like that just that just it really brings me down, really disgusts me, and makes me not want to go. At this point, the audio fades to an inaudible level, inexplicably. Super sad. Max and I talk about a collaboration we were going to have at Burning Man involving my project Smash Type and Max's singular vision. But never fear. The good folks at the Cozy Zone Foundation are on the case. We're going to be working on it. Uh, we will definitely present this content in the future in a way that can be enjoyed by all and not just those with super acute hearing. So stay tuned for that. I'm happy to say that I, uh, I'm reporting from Times Square right now. I'm uh, at, at Father Duffy Square, uh, right near the TKTS booth and the Red Steps. It is overwhelming here, to say the least. We have uh, McDonald's. We have uh, a crazy screen with a woman. Oh, God, Scream Queens. Uh, she's blowing a bubble. She just got knifed. Kinky boots. Uh, Lion King poster, um, uh, American Eagle Outfitters, some, some lingerie. They, they tell us, no retouching on these girls. The real you is sexy. Airy. Oh, uh, I guess it's a, it's a brand of American Eagle. Uh, we have Olaf and a minion. Uh, terrifying statue of Father Duffy. Uh, I guess a wartime reverend or father or... Catholic person during World War One, World War Two. Who knows? I don't know. But Max, this is a place where you and I stood and looked out, and and you told me that this was all going to be mine. That this is my place. And I, I tell you, it is not a cozy zone for me intrinsically. Um, but your words make me think. You know, how can I feel good in Times Square? Uh, well, I, I would say one way, Max, is to think of you and to think of the joy and power you derive from this place, the energy, the lights, the people from all over the world. Uh, and with that, uh, I think it's time to sign off. So thank you, Max, for your time, for your friendship, for your love. Cozy Zone friends, stay tuned for the final moments of this conversation artfully presented in the future stay tuned next time for Cozy Zone with Ben Weber We are intimately finding 
a peaceful, cozy zone. And Ben, he interviews friends. It's awkward and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please snuggle up sweet. A beautiful thing is cozy zone. <laughs> <laughs>